Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited to bring our guests on today. I have the amazing Becca Lane, who is a new friend of mine. I'm so excited to know her. You guys know that I'm kind of obsessed with everything Waldorf education, and I'm also quite obsessed with the Simplicity Parenting Movement. Kim John Payne, who wrote the book, was one of our first interviews on this podcast. I got to get him back on because I know that we've upgraded our systems and everything sounds so much better now. Maybe I've gotten better at interviewing and I, I need to get him back on at some point. And, but for today, I have one of his coaches who also owns a Waldorf preschool. And she caught my attention the other day because she was posting about gift giving in the holiday season. And this has been something that I have been thinking about and doing for almost 10 years now and has really made an impact in my life. And that's been being really purposeful about the gifts that come into our house during the holiday season and also really being kind of, I don't know, like the queen around family members and community members who give presents to our house. So I'm pretty clear about what's okay and what's not. And I hear a lot at this time of year, a lot of overwhelm around grandparents who aren't listening and too much stuff coming in and overwhelm around just all the food that needs to be made and work and kids getting sick. There's just, it's such a busy time of year and it's also a loaded time of year. So I find it's a time when stuff can go wrong, just like it can at any time of year, but it seems to have more impact right now. And so this is such a timely episode. Although if you're listening to this after the holidays, I would still give it a listen because the process that Becca talks about is really invaluable at any time of the year, maybe even if you haven't listened to it before the holidays, especially after the holidays. So definitely tune into it. But we're talking about just this idea of stuff and so much stuff. And I just wanted to share a little bit about my background and my relationship to stuff before we dive into all of Becca's expertise and her story a little bit. And I think I share a little bit too, but I just want to be super clear because we recorded this a couple weeks ago and I've actually experienced a lot in the past few weeks around just the impulse to want to have more, do more, buy more. And it really just is all around us at this time of year and it's contagious. And I don't think that we have to buy in, but I do think that it's harder not to buy in and that it's really helpful to have a community of people or at least a buddy who can help you stay accountable in this way. So let me just explain a little bit. So when my kids were young, um, I think the first time I really experienced this, my oldest, who's now 14, was probably around five and I had a three-year-old and a 
just newborn. So, so the newborn wasn't really tracking presence, but the three and the five-year-olds might have been. And I just remember having these three beautiful kids and wanting to give them the world and wanting to have a beautiful playroom and just wanting them to always remember Christmas in this beautiful way. And I actually have always really loved Christmas. I definitely loved it as a child, but there was a point in the middle when I would see all these articles in magazines and all these beautiful pictures of what holidays look like to 20-something-year-olds, and I just felt really disconnected from that. I wasn't connected with my body during the holidays. I wasn't connected with what I was eating, and I was one of those people who always then hit New Year's and just felt like yucky and all those resolutions were so loaded for me because I really needed to get back in my body and feel like I was nourishing myself with food. And I, I didn't even know, I didn't even have that language at the time. So I, I just thought it meant go on a diet, but, but now I have that language and it, I just looking back, it was just a disjointed time for me. And so that happened in the middle. And then when I had kids, I wanted them to have those positive memories um, of Christmas, but I, I just felt this pull to do things a little bit differently. And I wasn't sure at the beginning what that looked like. So very luckily at that similar time is when I did first encounter Kim John Payne's work. Um, and I did, my kids did, my oldest started a Waldorf kindergarten. And I just fell in love with this simpler way of, you know, wooden toys and sirens that didn't go. And I did do a big clean out of our playroom and I did commit to really doing things differently and being able to, you know, clean our playroom in five minutes and have things in baskets and have a way that my kids could clean up. And it was wonderful. It was so great. And there was definitely some exceptions to all that. Um, but it was, it was great. And so when the first Christmas came along, I really wanted to stay with it. I wanted to honor that. And so I decided, you know, each kid could have, you know, their one really thoughtful present and maybe it was Santa who would bring that and that then maybe they needed something to read, something to wear, and it would be really nice to get them something handmade. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, wanted, needed to read and made. That was kind of like the matrix. That's another way of saying it. And it felt really good. And so the first year I did that and I sort of took on all four. And then I realized how much other stuff comes into a house from grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles. We don't really have, well, yeah, we do have aunts, aunts and uncles. And it quickly got beyond the four. So even though I had made this commitment, I realized like how much other stuff could come in. So then the next year I got even smarter and I asked the grandparents to really focus on experiences. Um, and I even delegated out some of the four categories. So I think that year we just, I don't even know if we got, um, I don't even know if we, the parents got credit for any of the presents that year. And it felt really, really good. And my little kids, you know, they were still at this point under the age of seven, all really enjoyed their time that year. And that was really important to me. And I saw how this all worked. And so the years have gone on. One year, you know, I told everyone and it was all great. And then we had a babysitter who brought in like trash bags of plastic toys because I think she felt bad that we didn't have any of the plastic toys that she thought were great. So I started getting better and better about communicating this out. And it's just 
my kids love this time of year and they might not get all the bells and whistles that everybody are getting, but they, that's not what they talk about. That's not what they remember anyway. Even the kids who get everything, I don't think it's what they talk about. They want connection. They want family. And I was realizing that all these things actually disconnected me from the moment. And so it was just as important for me and my husband to show up on that day and feel really good about it and really be able to cultivate those family moments. It was just as important for us that it was simple. And so, you know, now I have a high schooler and a middle schooler. And so things have shifted a little bit. You know, there's no more. It's not about wooden toys, um, but it still is about that one thing. It's about, you know, really being thoughtful. And even, you know, plastic has made its way into our house a little bit more than maybe I would like, but we still do it super thoughtfully. So things come out of boxes and get put in um, a different box and, you know, if I ever buy doll clothes, I try to buy them from an artist who made them. So little thoughtful things, we still pretty much adhere to the four, we do adhere to the four gifts. Um, and we are really more and more focused on experiences over things. And it's interesting because now my kids realize it. Like my kids have asked for experiences instead of things. Um, and it's just great. But all that said, what, why I wanted to share that background and that story is that it's a complicated time of year. And what I find happening with my, my own self is that, you know, I go to all these sales and this is so beautiful and I'd like to give this to my daughter. And then, you know, my phone could be upgraded and, and it's Christmas and you get all these ads about the perfect new phone. Like, why wouldn't I want that? And, you know, the kids are all talking and, you know, my kids are older, so they're paying attention and they start to want things that their friends want, even though it's not in their core what they want. And it's just so easy to get swept up. And so one of the things that I know is important for me is to just, you know, really thoughtfully think about the gifts early and just be done so that by next week, I'm just present and not scurrying around and not buying into that. And I can just take the time to unwind before they get into school, um, get out of school. And that really enables me like next week, one of my daughters has a field trip and I can say yes to going on the field trip because I feel done. And I'm trying to wrap up work projects so that I can feel done for this, you know, week long holiday season. And that just feels it feels really good, but it also is hard. Like I need support. I need accountability. Yesterday I had to call my husband and be like, this is what we're doing, right? And it's all good, right? And, if, you know, and he can even simplify me even more because he has even that simplification, you know, gene in him way more than I do. And so it's just really, I think, important to be so purposeful at this time of year and so purposeful with things um, if we really want to raise, you know, resilient happy kids. Now, if you're listening to this and it's like the 24th and everything's all said and done, don't fret. This is not, I never want to make anyone feel guilty or feel bad um, or not know what to do with the mother-in-law who's sending them tons of stuff. It's all okay. Whatever happens is okay. But I hope when you listen to Becca, especially if you have young kids who are still in the, you know, toy playing age, I hope you can take in what she says um, and just slowly integrate it, integrate it over time. And the book by Kim John Payne, Simplicity Parenting is a great read. Um, he has a lot of research in there. So if you're doubting, 
you know, if, if it feels good what you're hearing, but you're doubting that it's okay because it's not how the world around you is working, I highly recommend that as a read just because it's really research-based. Um, and you can, you can read that and, you know, see somebody who has their PhD, what their experience is with stuff and children, um, if that helps you sort of take a stand in the way that you want to. So I just wanted to be clear that it's not always easy. It's not always perfect. Um, in my life, there is some plastic. Um, there is a Barbie being given, I think, on Christmas this year. And that's that's okay. That's a choice we made. And, you know, the Barbie's going to have Etsy clothing. And that's cool too. And it's just, it's just the way it is. And it hits our values, which is what's important to me. It, we're, we're adhering to the values that we have and what those values deliver has changed over the years. And we keep it as simple as we can in the given moment. And I have all these processes, all these planning processes that I, so I can check against myself because as I mentioned before, the world and everything out there still gets the better of me. Even though I talk about this all the time, I teach about it and I try to live it as much as possible it's, it's not always easy. So that is what I'm going to leave you with. And I can't wait for you to hear what Becca has to say. So with no further ado, let's get Becca on the show. Hello, Becca. Welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. It's so fun sometimes just to meet somebody and be able to pull them on air because you have a specialty that I'm so excited to share with our audience. Um, at this time of year, at this particular time of year. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about your work and what you do. I've been teaching for 10 years in a little preschool, um, actually here on my property, right against the forest in Asheville. And we are Waldorf style, mixed age, preschool and kindergarten. And I've been doing that for 10 years. I started the school originally with my husband and now I run it with a dear friend. Um, so that's my, has been my work day in and day out until last year where I kind of switched gears and focused a little more on homeschooling. Awesome. And you also do coaching, right? For That's right. So my, what kind of happened organically is, um, I began to do a lot of different trainings with Simplicity Parenting and Kim Payne and different Waldorf trainings and found the families in my community inevitably would come to me with questions about their children and their families and I could use all this information I learned to help them and I saw their lives change and their children's lives change and I realized I need to offer this to more people than just this small school community, you know, more people can benefit. And I so love it. I started putting myself out to the wider world at that point. I love it. And actually Kim was one of our first podcast episodes. So he's been here and people can go back and listen to that episode because it's a good one. <laughs> There's something about that accent. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. And how old are your kids? I have a 13 year old daughter and a nine year old son. Okay. Um, we have two dogs and three cats that keep us quite busy. Wow. And you're homeschooling both the kids. I am not homeschooling my daughter. She wanted to go to school to okay. eighth grade this year and she's there. Are we getting glitchy? We are getting glitchy. Um, so you know what? Let's turn video off. Is that okay? 
Yeah, no problem. Okay. All right, and I'll just edit that part out. So do you just want to say, uh, starting with your daughter, deciding to go to eighth grade? Yes. Uh, My daughter decided to go to eighth grade this year. She homeschooled for a couple years before that. And my son has been homeschooled all along. And he's in the third grade. Awesome. So fun. I got to, I had the privilege of homeschooling my kids for a year while I was on this book tour and it was, it was fun. I think it was most fun because I had it for, I did it for a year. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> downs for sure. But overall we find it to be a great fit for our family. Yeah, no, I, I think I loved it almost more than, almost more than my kids. Although one of them really, really loved it. And my extrovert, I think was kind of like, where are all my people? That's kind of how my daughter was. I need friends and I need to see them every day, not just, you know, once or twice a week at different groups we go to. And my son is fine. He's introverted as long as I have the forest. I love it. I love it. So at this time of year, which this is going live right before Christmas, I feel like there is so much pressure thoughts about toys and what are the right toys to get our kids? How do we even bring more toys into our household? I mean, just all the chatter going on comes from all sorts of directions, but I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's a parent who doesn't get overwhelmed mm-hmm. at that, you know, before eighth grade time frame of the amount of stuff of toys that just come into our homes. Um, you know, unless you have a huge, huge home, I just, I just feel like it's so easy to feel oppressed by that if you don't want to be surrounded by toys. So I loved finding all of your ideas about really simplifying this part of our lives. So let's, can we start by just for anyone out there who's not sure why it might be important to simplify, can we go through a little bit like why this might make an impact in your life? Well, you kind of nailed it just as a parent, that feeling of overwhelm. Um, Our children are feeling that as well. And that can come out in them in different behaviors. It can come out in not playing well with their, they have siblings that they're playing with their toys together with, Um, some general disrespect for the toys. And also, sort of some feelings of expectation, like they should always be getting more toys can start to develop with children. But overall, what I see is just that general sense of overwhelm. And too many toys, when we look at the simplicity parenting model, which is what I kind of go to as my base, the first place we start is with the child's environment. And toys and clothing are the two main focuses and toys seem to be what get people the most riled up because they know they have too many but they have no idea what to do to stop it (laughs) yes (laughs) um and what we find is when children simplify or when parents simplify and children have this space that has been simplified that parents say their children cooperate more um both inside and outside of playtime they are able to keep their rooms tidier. It doesn't become this like once a month going in with a backhoe to clean everything out. It becomes a process that is manageable um, in your life, keeping a room tidy. And 
I don't know about you, but for me, if I walk into my personal space and it's full of clutter, like it makes my mind kind of feel the same way. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think children can, they can't put words to that yet, but they're experiencing it. It just comes out in their behavior. Yes. Oh my God. So true. And it's funny because I feel like at first when, you know, a child's having a tantrum during playing or just seems dissatisfied, like with a train or wanting something different, that our instinct might be like, okay, let's go get the blue train since we only have the green train, or maybe we need to change up the toys. And it was so interesting to me the first time that I ever did this practice, which was probably, let's see, if my 15, probably 10 years ago, and just realizing how much more creative and just yes. good people they could be with less. And it's, it was That's sort of like, it, mm-hmm. yeah, and it went against, like, I, 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 if, I feel like at first it sort of went against what I thought, but then when I saw it in action, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, of course, because I'm the same way. Like, I don't react well to lots of stuff. Yes, it's true. There is something that really has stood out to me with teaching, especially young children, but I think it's true for all of us, is that we have a notion that the more choices we have, the better. That's kind of this, I think, a feeling a lot of people assume is true, and especially with children, like, let's give them always choices so they're feeling empowered. But the reality is that too many choices overwhelm them. Yeah. And you know, I, I always tell parents, like, look at grocery stores. If you've been to like a Trader Joe's is perfect. Like there are two choices for olive oil and that is it. And <laughs> it's me, funny. That's true. And it's like, and that's good. It, it's true. And you just, you can make a choice and you're not feeling overwhelmed. And with children, when they have so many toys at their disposal, they're more likely to shut down and not be creative and then say they're bored. And then we often think, oh, we just should get some more toys so they have more choices. And then it becomes this cycle that repeats itself. Yeah. And it's interesting. So, you know, 10 years ago was the first time I did this and it made a huge impact. And of course I have three kids. So it's funny, even when you are sort of minimalist or simple or whatever you want to call it, you know, we always had one doll instead of five dolls or whatever it was it still adds up with multiple children. You know, it's still, it's funny. You still have to come back at it on a regular basis and be like, okay, what really needs to be out right now? What really needs to be played with? Um, How do we, you know, tap back into that simplicity? So I love that. All right. So this time of year, (laughs) I feel like there's two big questions here. One is, all right, we have all these toys. So what do we do? And the second is Christmas, Hanukkah, all these holidays are coming up. Now what do we do? Right? So can we, can we go into both those scenarios? (laughs) Right. How do we get some things out of our house and then how do we prevent the same number from just replacing those we got rid of, which exactly puts us back in the same place. Um, I think this is a great time of year to simplify. Um, Mostly because you can get away with telling your children that the holidays are coming and they kind of can have an easier time with knowing they'll have some new things. And we can talk later about in a few minutes about less new things, but it's a great time of year to simplify. And I encourage parents not to do this with your children, 
especially if they're you know nine or younger. Um, my children, my older daughter participates in simplifying now and kind of knows, she can feel that it feels better to do that, but the younger child, everything you try to get rid of is gonna be their new favorite toy. And you're yeah. gonna feel terrible about it and it's you're not gonna get very far. So I suggest you know finding time when you can, if possible, to just focus on that one space and do it all in one piece so they don't come in with it halfway accomplished. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love that because that means you have to be fast. <laughs> you have to be fast. And when they can see their space with the simplicity and the fewer things to look at and it's tidy, I have not yet seen a child with a disappointed look on their face at that moment. And the parents are always afraid that's going to happen. And I know parents have that fear that their child's going to miss X, Y, or Z. So my encouragement <clears throat> If that's the spot you're in is to just box everything up and don't even you don't even have to think about getting rid of it unless it's broken go ahead and throw it away but if you're just not sure box it up or bag it up put it out of sight and if your child asks for it once perhaps try to redirect but if you notice they're asking for something you know several times maybe go back and add that to one of your your keepers that you want to keep around um, but of course, don't pull out every little thing if your child is one that has that photographic memory about all their toys. <laughs> Are there kids who have that? Because whenever I always feel like I do that for me, and then I'm always so surprised at how easy out of sight, out of mind works. I feel like very, very few children are that way. I've seen um, uh, my child is on the autism spectrum and I've seen children on that spectrum who really know every single toy Got it. as their gift. They catalog it in their mind. And so if you're a parent of a child like that, you know that about them. Um, and we might talk about different things to do, but in general, your experience has been my experience that I have not, when my children have gotten rid of their toys, maybe once or twice they've asked for something, but really not. I think they really value their new space and it feels so good to them. You know, they're, they're not wondering about the stuff that's gone at that point. Yeah, I love that. Okay, anything more about getting rid or no? Uh, well, I encourage you, and this sounds kind of radical, but to get it down to where tidying up can take five minutes or less. Okay. And that's with an adult they're helping. That's not with your three-year-old tidying up in five minutes because that's not going to happen. You know, we really do have to tidy up with our children to model that. So consider that five minutes with your guidance if they're younger than probably nine or younger that you're there close by. Um, if you have more toys that you want to keep than what you have for, you know, that five minutes or that one or two tidy bookshelves, then consider a toy library where maybe every season you rotate or if you notice toys aren't being played with, you can put those away and get out a couple new things. You know, some families have toys they just really treasure that they can't imagine, you know, getting rid of that they've spent a lot of money on them or maybe made them, but there's still a lot of them. Um, a lot of really beautiful wooden handmade toys is still overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So having that toy library can help you feel like you're not having to get rid of the meaningful things and there's still an option. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that's that's such a great idea. And I remember that cleanup just being so such a revelation that it really could take five minutes. And, you know, at first I couldn't, I feel like at first I would start toy clean outs by envisioning where everything would go. But I think the time that I succeeded the most, it was like I got rid of everything and then I figured out what was left, where it would go. Exactly. Uh, and it, it was, it, I had simplified enough that it was just so easy. Right. Simplify instead of organize. And then you can organize what's left because we can spend forever trying to find places for everything. But it's just kind of moving it from here to there. And you talk about something in your work similar to what I do with food and sort of scheduling, which is that you're, you're thinking about toys in terms of your values. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And I think, you know, like you said, with food, really with anything in our life, I have parents start with what, what their values are and what values they want to share with their children and what toys we buy, what food we buy, you know, what choices we make about how we spend our days. Sometimes and we find that our day-to-day -day life is not in reflection of our values and that kind of creates these feelings of dissatisfaction in us. And so when we can go back and align our lives with our values, it can kind of put everything, you know, back in tune a little more. And I think with our toys, that this really can come into play. If we value simplicity, if we value natural items, um, then that can be seen in what we pick for our children. And again, bigger issues, like if when children have tons of toys, they don't take care of them. They just see them as just material things that can be thrown away. Yeah. Most of us, that's not our value, is that we just want to have a bunch of junk around that we don't really take care of. Um, but when we reflect on our children and their toys, often that could be what they're learning, unfortunately. So yeah. I think going back to our values, you know, what do we really value for our family and our, and our children and something you touched on creativity, if that's something you value, then the choices of your toys and the choices of how you spend, you know, your day can, can help to move a child more toward or away from those moments of creative play. And that's so interesting because creativity, as I, my background's in design and, you know, I've always loved art. And so creativity has always been a value of mine. But it's interesting because the idea of the environment and fixing things, it's not that I don't fully want those things. And I, I've shared this story before on the podcast, but I just didn't grow up with those sentiments. I grew up a little bit more with the sentiment, if, if it breaks, it's okay, because you can get a new one. Mm -hmm. And so, but I married somebody whose idea about what impact we play in this planet is huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he had the same backpack for many, many, many years, more years than I wanted him to have it. And he kept fixing it. And, you know, if, if compost goes in the trash, it's somewhat upsetting to him. And it's just a deep value. And so it's so interesting because we've adopted that value as a family. And so for anyone out there who doesn't have that value yet, I just still think it's, it's been such a life-changing value for me to adopt and just to watch how 
when kids want something to be fixed or like they're not ready to just move on to the next thing. Um, it's so, it's so interesting and amazing to watch when that really gets instilled in them. It's true. And, you know, uh, manufacturers of toys, they, they know what they're doing. And when they create these toys that want children that create these desires in children to just want more and more little parts. And there's just so many little parts that it's easy to lose them. And then you just get more and they all come in these plastic containers and you know, each plastic container has 50 little plastic parts. You know, I was thinking of that as you were talking about um, your partner and just that, that kind of makes me sometimes cringe when you think about the environmental impact of that. And it's hard, though, I think, for children to say no to that. And for us as parents, when we're not making that conscious decision that this is something that we don't value, that we have, and something we don't want to bring into our lives, otherwise, it's just it just creeps right in, you know? It's, yep. And I don't think that parents are who have a bunch of toys like that, that it's all, we have good intentions, and we're working. It's like paddling upstream to not have that stuff in our house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Okay. So the holidays are coming up and I feel like there's so many questions around this. And I guess like question one, I guess starts with us making a boundary as parents, right? So what do we think about the holidays? What do we want to let in? But then of course, the bigger question that always comes out, especially of somebody who's already done a lot of this work is what on earth do I do about all the people who are trying to give my kids toys? Yes, <laughs> That's a huge, huge question. And, um, you know, I'm get, I guess maybe for time's sake, not touching on just us, we can assume we all want to have simpler holidays and have our less stuff. And there's so many good reasons to do that. Our financial lives will thank us for not spending so much money. Yeah. <laughs> the earth. Um, but then even when we've set those boundaries, some, some grandmas might give, you know, 15 gifts to each child. Yep. And they might not have, um, they might not have the same values that we do. And this is where it gets to be really tricky because we have to kind of hold gratitude that people give love with gifts yep. and knowing some people do that and we can't put up this cold boundary. And so I found that tricky. I feel like when I was an early 20 something, I was pretty idealistic and I think, um, maybe put up too much of a boundary. And now when I work with families, I feel a little looser, has a lot more compassion um, so that grandma is not feeling like she can't express her love. Yep. And so I think it's helpful. I wrote a letter to my families and let them know just kind of what I'd been learning and noticing in my own children with stuff and how my family, we decided we wanted to consciously have less and that we were sort of embarking on this and that we would love for them to help support us, um, you know, by being more mindful of the things that come to our lives and our, for our children. And of course, being grateful for all of the wonderful things they've always gotten our children. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people have success with putting numbers with grandparents some people have success with giving them a list with internet links, <laughs> catalogs from companies that produce toys and giving them very specific ideas. Yep. Um, my favorite 
recommendation are the experiences, non-material gifts, non-toy gifts. And I posted a link to that on my Facebook um, recently, this wonderful list of non-toy gifts, and it included tools in there, um, which I really liked, you know, really good knives for children to help cut vegetables or to work in the garden that fit their bodies and their hands, you know, shovels. And um, my family has loved to give my children things like ballet lessons or gymnastics. Um, or a membership to the zoo for the year. Um, these kind of gifts have been my favorite because it's something that my children can do that gives them memories that far outlast a little a plastic present that they might get. Yeah, I love that. And I, let's let's just unpack a little bit of everything that you just shared because I think it's so golden. And and if you can share it with me after, we'll put in the show notes the link to that list because I think okay. that will be really helpful to people. Um, so, so first of all, I love the idea that we have to be gracious because I feel like a lot of times when I hear people getting really frustrated that no one's listening to them, mm-hmm. that it's because they're being so concerned constricting on the person who they're asking, you know, they're really constricting the idea that that other person probably has of love. Right. And, and that's really hard. And I just to make another food analogy, because I'm liking those today. For example, I have all these food allergies. And when I go to a restaurant, I always ask the chef and I mean, obviously, you can't go to a pizza parlor for this, like you have to be at a, a date night type restaurant. But I always say like, look, I can't have gluten and I can't have dairy, but please make me what you think I would love. And there's something about just being really clear on your boundary, but giving freedom within that, that like I've never eaten better in my life at restaurants as I do since I started doing that. And I've been to restaurants with people who have similar allergies who are like, well, I'll take that dish, but I don't want this, but could you add this? And then could you take out this? And that always gets rolling eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's similar with the presence and a lot of times, I mean, think of your own journey. Like so often, like I had no idea about all this before I had kids and it really took me, you know, I didn't get into all this until I had three kids and my oldest was about five and we started this Waldorf school. And and I had, you know, learned from Kim John Payne. Like before that, I didn't have any idea. And so there was, I had to educate myself. And then of course, in turn, I had to educate our grandparents, right? Because why would they know if I didn't know? Mm-hmm. And because everything I had learned, I had potentially gotten from from both of our our families. So it's I feel like we have to like take a step back and just really educate a little bit. And then I love the idea of the letter and how you worded it because it's kind of like it's not that you're not perfect the way you are, but I'm trying to do this new thing that I'm not even perfect about. Could you help me? Exactly. So it's just like I feel like the intention behind that is so powerful because. You're nothing's wrong with them or you. It's just that this is a new experiment and could they help you? And who wouldn't want to help? Right. I think, you know, once I told my own mother, she would come to visit and every time come with a little gift and it was nothing huge, but something every time (laughs) um, start to ask, you know, what is she going to bring me this time? That would be her question instead of when am I going to see her? What are we going to do? And my mom wasn't coming just to drop off a gift. She was coming to connect with her granddaughter and 
it wasn't really producing. It wasn't my, I don't feel like my mom was, she realized when I mentioned that to her, you know, your, your granddaughter's asking about what you're going to bring every time. And my mom was like, Oh man, that's, that's not kind of the impression I want to give is that I'm coming to give stuff. It's that I'm coming to connect. And so, you know, that shifted in her mind a little bit too. Um, and that was, that was an easier journey than I've had with other grandparents. Um, people have different experiences and I do think it's important to mention our own traditions that we get to form them. Like you were saying, we, we don't have to do what our parents did for us. We can, and we cannot, but we get to make the choice and we can let people know sort of what traditions we're, you know, we're creating for our own families and our children will fall into that. And hopefully grandparents will as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And for years to be honest, like, we just didn't do anything ourselves, you know, like it was Santa had one little thing and we gave it all, all the rest to the grandparents. And we were lucky that they were asking what we wanted and everyone was, you know, helping us with Waldorf and behind it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so they were really conscious that we wanted, you know, wooden toys and no batteries and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as my kids got older, I will fully admit a Barbie ended up in our house and all this kind of stuff. So we're not by any means perfect. But the, the idea that we just had, you know, one of this and one of that was always really, really important to us. And so we just sort of took our step back for many years. And then probably about four years ago, I did that ask that you did about um, events. And that has been huge. And I have to admit now we're the ones who get to give the little gift under the tree and nobody remembers what that is. And everybody talks about the things they do with their grandmothers because they now give them these amazing experiences that they do with them. Um, you know, they take them to special places or, you know, it's, and it's, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It could be a special tea party at their house or overnight or, you know, but, but it's with them. And my kids never stop talking about those things year, even years after they happen. And I can promise you, they don't remember what I gave them three years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how that, <laughs> how that works out? Yeah. 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 So, well, gosh, well, I'm always, uh, this year, maybe I have to give the, I have to give the gift of time <laughs> so that I get credit later down the line. Now that I'm thinking out loud. Mm -hmm. I love yeah, that. I've never, you know, I've never thought of giving my own partner a gift of an experience. And I, which is so funny because I tell parents to do this all the time with their children. And I was talking to one woman and she was like, you know what, we've decided this year, we're only going to give each other those kind of gifts, you know, a massage or a day at the spa or a month yeah. to here, you know, instead of the material things. And I thought that was really lovely extending it beyond the children. I love it. And, and you can still be, I'll never forget. I was at a lecture once of, of actually Kim John Payne and he was, I think it was the soul of discipline lecture. And I remember him commenting on birthday parties and this new thing where people are asking for no presents Mm -hmm. Um, and that he didn't actually agree with that, that he thought that that would lead in the end to selfish kids, that, that actually there is something about being able to receive as well as give that's of equal importance. So I feel like that's important to point out. Like, it's not like little gifts are bad, right? It's just really figuring out for it not all to be too much, too much, too much. Like if you get, if you 
dolls, right? If you are getting clothes for a doll, maybe you only need one outfit, not five outfits, right? It's just, we are always trying to get more. And even as somebody who's somewhat, you know, on top of this, it's still instinctual in me. Just, you know, yesterday we're recording this right after Black Friday and all these things were pouring into my inbox and it's like, oh, I should get them three pairs of pants, you know, but it's like, no, they just need, she needs one more pair of pants. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's, we all have to catch ourselves. It's not just, you know, it's, it, we're all, it's, it's a constant, I feel like it's a constant evolution, but I went on a little bit of a side to say that our, um, I happen to have two pretty creative grandparents and they do take these experiences and like wrap them up. So like my mother-in-law last year, like wrote out and drew a picture of what, you know, the experience oh, was going to be for awesome. each child. And then she like cut it up into a puzzle. So they had to put it together. So it took some time. <laughs> so oh, I feel like there's still a way you can package it up um, and, and make the, make a child's feel like they're, you know, opening something and getting something and having to put it together and figure it out. It's true. And my, you know, my, my mother-in-law would do, um, like a gift to the nature center and then like a small stuffed animal for each of the children of an animal that was at the nature center. And that's, they had something tangible, but it wasn't over the top. Um, yeah. but it related. Um, one thing I wanted to say is that something you, you mentioned about birthdays and that gifts are lovely and fine. And that I do want to say that again, that I don't think giving material things is bad. I think it is an expression of love. Um, so we don't want to put out the vibe that we shouldn't give children things. It's just all about balance and intention in what we're giving them. Um, and my son, we, we did these non-gift birthdays, and he hit this point where he, he really wanted to have a gift birthday because he saw other children doing it. And I let him one year, um, and now we've done it ever since because what I noticed was it's really lovely this – this thing that I kind of had closed myself off to, I let myself open to it for a second and saw that when a child is sitting there opening a present from their friend and everyone is watching, I was just constantly focused on the negative part of that, right? Like we're focused on things, but it's not that. I was closed to the bigger picture, which is what you mentioned, which is this love. These children have picked out a gift to give to their friend, or maybe they've made it. You know, a lot of his gifts were handmade things. Um, but that sort of exchange is really beautiful. And we don't want to put a stop to that and say it's bad. Yeah. Right? So we just want to have intention around it. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I could talk to you for hours because you touched on even like clothes. And I'm just like, yes, we need to keep talking about that. Because when I cleaned out the drawers, that helped too. There's so much of this getting rid of stuff is so helpful and just raising these resilient, amazing kids. Absolutely. So Absolutely. tell people how they can get a hold of you and maybe tell us, and I'll put all this in the show notes, but tell us about this um, resource you have for people that is literally step-by-step -step how they could get rid of some toys. Yes. Yeah, so I am in this crazy process of redoing my website. And so people can go there if they enter the exact. <laughs> this okay. So we'll put that link in the show notes too. Yeah, www.beccalane.net. Um, on there, you'll be able to find the toy simplification formula, which is what you're talking about. It takes you all the way from your intentions to getting rid of toys and to how to deal with the influx of new toys. Um, people can also find me on Facebook. I have a group supporting simplicity parenting. 
And that group talks a lot about this issue and how to sort of limit the gifting with compassion and what to do and what we could do instead. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. And, and I do feel like, I feel like everything we talk about here, but this especially is all these things, all these changes we make in parenting and in just upgrading how we live and how we schedule our lives, all like accountability and support is such a huge aspect of that. So everyone listening, take in that Facebook group because when you have people who are on a similar path, um, I think it's just really helpful when you're, you know, on that task to be able to be like, how did you do it? Or I just did this and have somebody who actually cares because <laughs> there might be people yeah. in your life who don't care and that's fine. But surrounding yourself in that moment with people who do care until you're done can be really helpful. Absolutely. And the thing to note is it's almost like you're never done because yes, <laughs> because it just keeps happening. You know, life does. And so it's, a constant um, simplification. Once you do it once really well, then it's never that it's never like that again. But there are these kind of tune-ups along the way. Yeah, I feel like once you've proved yourself, it works. Then you have that why behind you. And yeah. so I feel like at the beginning of this episode, we were trying to lay that out, and I'm hoping we did in a way that got everybody really inspired. But once you do this once, if you can just get through. That and it really is almost like get through that night because if you're doing it in a way that your kids aren't seeing, it's kind of like you put them to bed, you do all this shuffling, you get everything in the basement, and they wake up and there's this amazing space. And you could do it slower, of course, but it doesn't have to be so painstaking. And I feel like the second you see those eyes come into this cleared out space or spaces or however your house is laid out, it's it's just so endearing to watch the impact of that. Absolutely. And once you experience the, the decrease in overwhelm and that increase in ease for your child and for yourself, like you said, that's your why to just keep making sure that you don't backslide to yeah. most stuff again. All right. Well, Becca, thank you so much for being here today. I'm hoping everyone really enjoyed this episode. So thanks for your time. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. All right. At the end of every episode, we create three doable changes so you can take what you've heard, what you've been inspired to do and put it into action. Now, I always share three so that you can figure out which one really resonates with you, but I always recommend that you choose one thing, one doable change a week, and you really draw a line in the sand in your life and you commit to that one thing for a week. You schedule it into your life, you experiment, you have fun, you see what really works with your schedule and your life. And I promise that after a year, you will have lots of new things that you do and are just part of your rhythm. So from this episode, number one was set your values. Tying decisions about toys to your values helps you make choices and set clear messages to both yourself and to the other people in your life who might give things to your family. So think about your personal and family values. This may mean cutting out or cutting back on plastic toys or buying toys that will last. It might mean choosing tools or equipment for activities like cooking or gardening or outdoor exploration instead of the latest trends, games, things that make noise. 
Whatever it is, you can use your values as a filter to make decisions about what you buy, and you can share this information with your family, with your friends, with your community, and I promise that people will support you with it. People love these kinds of boundaries. And just also know that your boundaries might change over time. I want you to think of this as a fluid, doable change. I can tell you as my kids enter middle school and high school, my values are very different. I was a very rigid wooden toy person at one point and things change over time and that's okay, but they always connect back to our values and that is where great decisions come from. All right, number two, clear one space. So just choose one space, not your whole house, not your whole basement, one space to clear and make time to do it when your kids aren't around. You could choose a bookcase or the art table or the playroom floor. Choose a specific space and just spend some time and clear it up fast. Think about simplifying first. Throw out anything that is broken. Box up most of the stuff. You hear that? Most of the stuff. Box it up. Decide if it's a toy and put it away to rotate later or if it's a toy that you're really ready to move out. And then once everything is out, you organize what is left, which is hopefully like a third of what you started with, if not more. And I promise that this practice is so freeing. And because we're talking toys on this episode, you could do this in your kitchen, but I highly recommend starting with the playroom and maybe fitting this in before the holidays. And as Becca shared, very often our kids don't notice. We think this is so stressful and that they're going to care. And although there's a few really rare kids who do notice, there's many others who don't. And if you have any fear around this, then just put that bin in the basement and watch it for yourself, knowing that you can totally take things back out if you need to. Number three, do a five-minute cleanup. So five-minute cleanups are a goal to work toward for many people. Cleaning up can feel super stressful because we think it's going to take so much time. So to get there, you need that maybe the, the first two steps. You need to have clear values and you need to have cleared your space. But once you have less stuff and you know where your less stuff is going, you can really try to have this five-minute cleanup and see, and this, this act will really see where you need to simplify more. So it shouldn't take longer than five minutes to clean up a playroom, believe it or not. And it also allows you to model cleanup for your kids. So very often we tell our kids, you know, go clean up that corner, go clean up your playroom, go clean up your room. And their version of cleaning up is so different than our version of cleaning up. So when you start this five minute cleanup for yourself, you can really see where the kinks are and model cleaning up for your kids so that they see what it looks like, that it can be fast and what the end results looks and feels like. All right, this is a great doable change if you have streamlined some some area as a way to help keep it clear and uncluttered, especially as you go into the holidays. All right, you guys, those are three doable changes from this episode. 
If you want even more doable changes, make sure to go to the Plan Simple Meals website, plansimplemeals.com. We have a brand new website actually, and there are four different tabs for the flow process, food, lifestyle, omen work, and each one of them has a downloadable that you can download the doable changes for that area. So go check those out. Um, If these aren't resonating with you right now, that's fine because we have hundreds of them for you. Now, again, remember not to tackle all 100 at a time. You have the full year to do it and just go be inspired and do one thing this week. I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.